Alright. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. My voice just cracked during the intro time. But that's okay. Because we're not perfectionist time. Pretty sure we're actually the opposite of perfectionist time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Patrick Brown, Grant Ramey. Fun crew today in the house. And le- thanks, thanks and, Greg Brady. And listen, how, Greg f- Brady that listen how fun we are. Crack the voice. Uh, yes, I think that's true. It's neither here nor there. We're going to stay on topic. We're going to be Squeak Toy City today. Why is that? Just because. Because we have to be. Got to keep it it's on the rails. The Tennessee, it's what the Tennessee fans need from us. Mm, debatable. During, during this time of the year. Debatable. We will have more fun at the end of the podcast than we do at the beginning of the podcast, though. Changing up the format a little bit, in addition to the commercial breaks that we now have. I'll be miserable the entire time. <laughs> how, how is that different from any other day that's ever happened in the history of the time that I've known you? Got to be consistent. That's true. Guys. We've got a lot of football stuff to talk about today, but before before we do that, for sure, before we do that, got a little bit of Tennessee baseball to talk about. I thought, guys, it, it was a pretty good, pretty good season. I don't, you know, anytime you don't pretty win. Good. Well, yeah, I mean. It, really good for context of Tennessee baseball. Sure. This okay. has been in a dumpster for 15 14 years. 14 years. Yeah, okay. Fine then. Scra- scratch that. Scratch that. Hey guys, really good season I mean, for don't Tennessee wet baseball. It. No, 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 no. I, I'm I'm just saying that I think that I. It's weird because I I grew up during an era of Tennessee baseball where it was really good. Where they had to play barehanded, like pretty much most of the time. <laughs> had to walk uphill both ways. They left the gloves on the field between innings so both teams could field with them. You know, they everybody, had a stick. Everybody batted with their base with their caps on. There were no helmets. Yeah, you know, you didn't even get a bat. You just had to swing your arm at the ball. That's how you hit it. So there weren't a lot of home runs. They called it the 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 dead ball era, I think. But yeah, no, I, I grew up in that era, so I, I think this was a for sure a step in the right direction and y'all are probably right it is fair to call it a really good season nonetheless it it was a season that tennessee thought had a chance to end at least in the super regional round um but that was not meant to be the vols got to the championship or or to the um regional final the regional final the technically it was the round of 32 to basketball is it yes but it's one of the for those of you who don't know the way the baseball postseason works there are 64 teams in the tournament, which is like the way basketball used to be. But instead of like basketball, there are 16 four-team tournaments, double elimination. Those eight winners, or those 16 winners advance to play each other in eight super regional best series, three. best of three series. And then those eight winners go to the College World Series. Tennessee made it to the, the regional final against North Carolina, which is not bad when you throw up a big stinker in your first game and then you have to work your way all the way back up through the the loser's bracket. Uh, But Tennessee had a chance. Uh, Would have had to beat Carolina twice on its home field, uh, which is not easy because Carolina, you know, Michael Bush, the first baseman, who is a first-round draft pick. uh, Sabato, who probably would be a first-round draft pick if he could go in the draft this year. Unbelievable hitter. Um, A kid who's actually a really good player, went to Hardin Valley Academy here in Knoxville, then went to... Um, I believe went to Walter State. Uh, shout out to my mom. Shout out, mom. Uh, but then he goes. Shout out to your phone. That was on my phone. That was your phone. How do you know? Because I just was watched it. Because it just lit up with my eyes. Well, it said the rain's going to begin in about twenty minutes. It's good to know. So here is the deal. That's a pretty good team, and I think Tennessee did a pretty good job getting to where they did. Now, it's really unfortunate that what's probably going to be the last outing of Zach Lingenfelter's career, former Sevier County star. Um, you know, they look like wild thing up there. Yeah, had a couple of had a couple of really good seasons at Tennessee his first two drafted years. Drafted twice and yeah. then drafted a third time. And he ends up still being a ninth-round draft pick after all that, but he had a pretty nightmarish season and lasted only two-thirds of an inning, gave up four runs, and that ended up being the difference in the game because Tennessee lost ultimately, I think, five to two and uh, did get the tying run to the plate both in the eighth and ninth innings. Um, But, guys, before we move on here a little bit and talk about football, I think we have to say this Vitello guy 
he might just get it. Th- this program looks like it's heading in the right direction. Well, it, it's a it's a good breakthrough season, but now it's you know, and I'm sure that I'm sure the coaching staff and the players are anything about this too. Everything about next year, um, and they'll probably be watching some of the super regionals this weekend and wondering, we can get there. We were we were that we were close. We just need to do you know a few things differently, and, and the first thing they need to do obviously is, is make sure that uh, Vitello isn't going anywhere. Um, lock him up. Lock him up. I don't think it's just an extension either for him or money. Uh, I think it's facilities. Yeah, it's got to be. He he talked to the new Sentinel uh, this week. I think it was published uh, today on Friday, uh, and he talked more about facilities uh, than he talked about um, money or added years to his contract, which makes sense because uh, that's the biggest thing that Tennessee baseball has needed for a while. Uh, The turf helped at Lindsey Nelson this uh, season. I'm not going to pretend to be a college baseball expert, but you could tell there was a talent gap there, and he's recruited well, obviously. Uh, I think, obviously, you're not pleased to get to the regional final or to play the way they did in the SEC tournament and the way they did against Liberty and have to do what they did just to get back to facing North Carolina uh, on Sunday uh, to get out of that ninth inning against Liberty and it uh, looks like they're going to lose that game based on how that ninth inning just What kind a of, crazy game. Crazy game. That, that was, was an incredible game, and it looked like a disastrous ninth inning, and Tennessee finds a way to get out of it miraculously, and then they score in the 10th and, and take care of business. So, Team Rucker. Right, and, and you need – the talent didn't look like it was quite on par with North Carolina, obviously, because North Carolina is a host and a national seed and all that. But I think if Tennessee, before the season, if you offer them 40 wins uh, and a trip to the NCAA tournament and a regional final game, I think they would take that. Yeah, I, I think that's fair to say, and, and I think that uh, it's unfortunate for a kid like Lingenfelter, who you know is a local kid. He could have gone to a lot of places, could have gone straight professional after high school. He got drafted high enough where he could have done that, um, but he came back to Tennessee. Then last season, he was a draft-eligible sophomore, one of the few draft-eligible sophomores because of his age, and he ends up not going, and he comes back to Tennessee. So twice he has chosen to come back to the program as opposed to turning pro, and you know how much this meant to him. Uh, and then he gets the ball. He's had a rough year, but he's got so much talent. He goes in there, um, and he just has a nightmarish first inning. He got the first guy out, then probably the second guy, Sabato. He thought he had him struck out there on a really borderline pitch, didn't get it. And then as baseball is wont to do, the inning just kind of unraveled from there. Um, a lot of wild pitches. You could tell some nerves were getting to him. Uh, and it's unfortunate because you know that's not the way he wanted it to end. Uh, kudos, though, to Will Heflin and Richard Jackson out of the bullpen. Came in, kept Tennessee in the game. Andrew Schultz also. So uh, just not the way that not the way that I think Lingenfelter wanted his Tennessee career to go down. But it did, and so that's unfortunate. But he is one of the uh, six players who did get drafted after this. And before we go to a break here in a little bit, we're going to discuss a couple of those guys real quick. Um, Tennessee had a pretty, pretty, pretty productive day in the pretty productive week in the NCAA, NCAA tournament. Slash See, it was it was productive for this players slash may, MLB draft. It may not be. It may not turn out being too productive for Tennessee the program losing, moving if, forward. If, if you're losing some important guys, which it looks like that will be the case. Yeah, it will. Some of these guys got drafted. The money that will be on the table potentially for them. Now, before I mention these six guys, I will say that um, Vitello is really happy with the signing class he has coming in, and I think three or four of those signees did get drafted, but I don't think there's imminent concern about losing any of them. I think a couple of them um, are guys who were either from JUCO, so they can come to Tennessee just one year and really improve their draft stock, or high school guys who maybe weren't picked quite high enough to justify going unless they just have no desire to go to school. Um, but we will go ahead and go down that list anyway. A couple of these guys went off the board a little earlier than expected. First one was Andre Lipsius, who went to the Detroit Tigers. And if you're saying, wow, does it seem like a lot of Tennessee's a lot of Tennessee players have been drafted by the Tigers. Yes, at least like, would be right. At least four in the past few years have been drafted. So he'll be joining uh, the organization where Christian Stewart is now an everyday player, usually for the Tigers. Uh, AJ Simcox c- climbing up through the ranks uh, as an infielder in that organization. A couple of Andre Lipsius' good friends, so he gets to join that organization. And uh, he was the 83rd overall pick early, early in the third round. So that means um, you can kiss his his tail goodbye. 
Uh, he's going to be gone. Uh, after that, Garrett Stallings goes in the fifth round, pick 151 overall to the Los Angeles Angels, a.k.a. Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, a.k.a. California Angels, a.k.a. Angels in the outfield. The team Mike Trout plays for. Yeah, the Mike Trout All-Stars. He is uh, probably going to go also fifth round pick, 151 overall. I would imagine that means he's gone. Um, and then a couple other guys went um, on that second day also. Andrew Schultz. Uh, who has, first off, world-class Major League Lettuce. The kid's got just fantastic. He's got like a lines made of hair, which is a good start. Then he throws a fastball that uh, has topped out in a game at 101, and he they've claimed that they've seen it him throw faster than that, like in practice or on the side. But 101 clocked in a game, pretty ridiculous. His arm is just unbelievable. Fatella said after that uh, North Carolina loss that the the problem or the shame with Lingenfelter and Schultz is Tennessee didn't see their best pitching days. There's a, there's a really bright future ahead of both of those. And sometimes when young guys throw that hard, it's just hard to control because yeah. a, 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 that that kind of arm action, <clears throat> you know, and Schultz kind of throws it from a shot put, which is the most amazing thing, but it's just hard to command sort of and it's that whole with great power comes great responsibility, and it's hard to sometimes manage a 100 mile an hour fastball or 101. But the Philadelphia Phillies are going to try to do that. They took Schultz uh, with the number 180 overall pick. He went in the sixth round, and then as the aforementioned Zach Lingenfelter goes to dot 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 the same team that California drafted Angels. Stallings, the the Los Angeles Angels, formerly Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the dumbest name in the history of professional sports. But I think this is interesting because Lingenfelter and Stallings, you know, they were always rated so closely together coming out of high school. They were ranked so closely together in the, you know, scouting services when they were coming to college. And then by MLB services, they, they were just kind of lumped right there together. Uh, they're friends and they get to go – be drafted by the same team. So they'll probably go to rookie ball together. They'll go through some, through some learning mistakes together. So I think that's a cool thing. They'll see some uh, things and some stuff. Some things and some stuff. So they got to do that. And then uh, on the final day, uh, you had a few, you had a couple more come off the board. Uh, Ricky Martinez goes in the 18th round um, to the, who, who, who did he get? Arizona uh, Diamondbacks. Arizona Diamondbacks. If I'm not mistaken. And he got taken in the 18th round. I've heard he's leaning toward going too because if you're a high or a college junior, you have leverage. And you do not have that as a senior. And I think Martinez is a kid who just, he's an unbelievable defensive shortstop, great arm, can make all the plays, had a better year than they thought offensively at the plate, although I don't think he's much of a hitting prospect for the next level. I think he's a really great defender who can who can go in there and give you some decent at-bats. Had one, exactly one home run, and it was absolutely ginormous. The three-run tater against, against, against Florida. Against Florida and Gainesville, you know, a game they really needed to win. Yep, he goes 542 overall, so he's likely gone. And then the guy who might have the toughest decision to make uh, is junior center fielder Jay Charleston, goes in the 26th round to the Kansas City Royals. I've heard he's really fast. Yeah, uh, he is one of the faster guys I've ever seen. He, he this season, stole uh, 41 bases in 45 attempts. It's pretty good. Which is absurd. Uh, and you could tell the North Carolina catcher was like super fired up about throwing him out, but then video, uh, you know, the, the, the... VAR. VAR came in. Yeah, the, the the baseball version of VAR overturned it, and so he didn't get that. Uh, he was like, oh. But uh, yeah. He, I hope all sports do it. Soccer didn't call it, start calling it VAR. Here's the assistant referee. It's, it's a good name for it. Here's what's amazing, guys. I don't, you know, I know that Grant watches a lot of baseball. I know I watch a lot of baseball. Pat, you watch some baseball. You're getting, you're getting better. I think you're getting back on the Braves bandwagon big time. There's an Austin Riley, right? What other reason do you need? I'm sorry. Did you mean to God? <laughs> yeah, that guy. God Riley. No. That guy. Man, some good young prospects coming up for the Braves. The, um, Yes, I have been getting into it more. So he, uh, and I did pay, uh, obviously, when, when Tennessee baseball is, is doing well, uh, you pay more attention. I'm, I'm like a lot of people in that sense. Here's what's amazing. In Tennessee played 61 games this season, and this kid, Charleston, stole 41 bases in 45 attempts, and he did that with a 320 on-base percentage. So basically, if, if he was getting on base, it's like uh, whatever year that was, the World Series, where... Uh, uh, it was when the Red Sox were coming back from, again, from three down, three zero down against the Yankees, and, and they put Dave Roberts in a pinch run. Everyone in the world knew that dude was stealing. It's like yep. when Jay Charleston got on base. If he's on first base, and, and if he's you, going. If at you some me- point, if you remember, there was a guy who played for the Royals and the Cubs in the in the in the uh, postseason named Dyson, 
who basically was on the roster <laughs> almost run. just <laughs> to be a pinch runner because he would go steal second every time there was someone who got a single in the late innings. He did it for the Royals and he did it for the Cubs. He, it's it's like the uh, Charleston's like the opposite of uh, Brad Pitt's line in Moneyball. Yeah, I pay you to get on, I pay you to get on first, not to get thrown out at second. <laughs> he's still like, base is what I do. He's like, coach, I don't get thrown out at second. That's what I, I got. Yeah. Like, I got like a ninety percent clip. You think Jay Charleston has four one pairs of batting gloves tacked up on his wall? He should in his dorm room above his bed. Like he should Willie Mays Hayes, like forty one, like the Nike Elite, like yep. batting gloves. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, God, equipment manager, mine tore again. If he's if he's close to any sort of like uh, Tennessee or SEC stolen base record, I hope he. Ricky Henderson style picks the base up when he, if he breaks it, <laughs> if he stays. And, and he refers to himself in the third person in true <laughs> yes. Ricky Henderson fashion. But this is a guy who, just to be quick on this, he played second base for a lot of his career, moved to center field this season, uh, did a good job defensively, doesn't have a huge arm, but he's a guy who can play pretty much anywhere. So um, I actually would have thought a National League team would have been maybe more interesting for him because of the the possibilities of, of playing different positions. But he's a guy who, he did hit 285 with four home runs, as a junior. So he just had a tough season at the plate. He's been able to hit before. So um, those guys were the ones who went in the draft. A couple signees also did. If any of them sign or whatever, we will get you that information. And here's good news for Tennessee. Uh, Alaric Solari, not draft eligible this year. So guess what? That dude is coming back for his junior season. And uh, he was probably one of the five or so best players in the SEC this season. Just an unbelievable player. Great defender. Really good offensive player. He's coming back. Crochet, who might be a first-round pick next season in the draft. And now they just need to make sure that the head the head coach is coming back. Now they need to get Tony Vitella coming back. We've heard, we've heard that Florida State might be sniffing around. Uh, would make sense. Mike Martin's gone after a billion years. That's one of the best programs in the country. That would be a place that, and if you want a good young coach, you might be there for a while. Vitella would be one of the first guys I would call. So if I'm Tennessee, I get that stuff straightened out. Um, before we go uh, to break, I do want to mention very lastly, uh, shout out to Garrett Groshey. He did some throwback Ironman stuff, Tennessee sophomore left-handed pitcher. This kid had a, like he, the, the last game of the regular season or last week of the regular season, he had a ball come right back up the middle, right back up the box, hit him in the jaw. So it shattered his jaw, dislocated his jaw, and like blood's going all over the place, not to get too graphic, but this kid talks to longtime baseball trainer Jeff Wood and tries to let him convince him to stay in the game. He says, if you just give me like... He's like the, he's like the, uh, the guy in Monty Python. It's yeah. a flesh wound. Yeah, he's like... You give he's me, got he, no arms, no legs. He was basically like, he was like, give me a paper towel or a napkin. I'll just put it in my mouth and I'll use that to collect it. And occasionally I'll spit out the blood. No one will know. I'll keep pitching. I should be playing hockey, it sounds like. And I think Jeff he's Wood, probably got hockey in his past. It's somewhere. unbelievable. <laughs> For, which is, well, I don't know because he's from Mississippi. That I don't know how much hockey they're playing down there but I used to live near mississippi they don't have a lot of hockey down there although true. they do have a uh, minor league team the uh they were called the memphis river kings back in the day i don't know if they are now <laughs> there you go he, they played in south haven which was in mississippi so this kid jeff wood has to be like hey um actually no i, I think <laughs> legally um and ethically i don't need to put you back in this game so then the next week so he has surgery just a couple days later his mouth is just full of rubber bands and like plates and everything else screws everything they gotta do to get that jaw back in place uh, and get it set and, and fix the fracture. They go to the SEC tournament like the next week, and he's like, "Hey, can I pitch?" They're like, no, idiot, you can't. Uh, he's like, "Okay, well, I want to." So he didn't. But then the very next week, it's in NCAA tournament, and he says, "Give me the ball." You can just see you can just see him popping into the Vitello's office like every two hours. Yeah, and, but, before but, before he even answers, Tony's like, "No, the answer's no." And he, he and he he lost twenty pounds. Almost because Jeez. because he this might break my jaw <laughs> because he got the rubber bands like you think about it if you got the rubber bands that are keeping your mouth kind of shut I can't eat a whole lot yeah he can eat like mashed potatoes like smoothies stuff like that but other than the soup but other than that he can't really eat anything so he loses twenty pounds his fastball goes from like ninety six ninety seven to like ninety two but he goes out there and pitches really well in multiple NCAA tournament games so shout out to him you're. You know, if we do some kind of a GoVoss 24-7 Iron Man of the Year award, this kid's going to be a pretty strong contender. I mean, this is like some... Iron Jaw of the Year. This is like some playoff... This is some playoff hockey type stuff. Spitting chicklets. Yeah, he's like uh, he's like upper upper body uh, um, questionable, you know. <laughs> but he goes out there and just does some absolutely unbelievable stuff. So congratulations to uh, Tennessee Baseball. You've got the thing going in a better direction. Uh, belated shout out to... 
John Curry, sorry people, but he's the guy who went and got Vitello. And that was a great hire. And uh, Philip Fulmer, now you've given Vitello the turf field. I know you just spent roughly the gross domestic product of Guam on keeping Rick Barnes, um, but you don't want to go through another search and have baseball go through the wilderness for another decade. And I think he's committed to that. He wants to keep Tony. I think it's been pretty clear. He's a ba- he's, he likes baseball. But he, was, he was in Chapel Hill. There were donors there with him. I think they've already started the discussions before the season ended that I think they don't want to go down that road again where they're wondering what's going to happen. Because for those who don't know, if you've never seen the average SEC baseball stadium, uh, some of them are better than like double-A baseball yeah, stadiums. Of, I mean, Arkansas looks like a minor league stadium. Arkansas. So does LSU's. Uh, Mississippi State might have the best in the country right now yeah, after du- their reservation. The new, the new, is pretty good. The, new, du- the new Duty Noble field there in Starkville is just unbelievable. It looks like a triple-A ballpark or something. It's just magnificent. South Carolina's got a brand-new, beautiful ballpark or relatively new. Um, Kentucky this year opened a brand-new park up there. Right. Vanderbilt's got a small stadium, but it's nice. Um, you know, because Vanderbilt, you think about it, there's doesn't have quite as many fans as a lot of people, even though they're really good at baseball, they don't need a big stadium. So, um, you look around the league, especially those SEC West teams, um, and then a couple teams in the East, and you see just absolutely gorgeous baseball stadiums. Uh, Tennessee does not. Tennessee has Lindsey Nelson, which was kind of unfortunately opened right before the era where ballparks started getting cool. So it was built in 94 or 93, I think, but still it aged pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. They've updated the board. They've updated some of the, the – the, the, they've put in a couple coaches' offices there. Um, I mean, they had renovations drawn up and basically signed off on. I don't know how many years ago that was, which athletic director that was. Uh, what happened to that AD? I think it was like a six and a half million dollar plan or something. And then there was like this whole discussion of where the where the Smokies going to move downtown. Right. Anyway, I think they should do. I think they should split the park. And, and, and if they, and in that situation, would what that would what, be a really good solution? What part of you know what, how much could Tennessee play there and all those kind of things? Would there be sort of a ground sharing kind of thing? Yeah, my best case scenario that was a couple of years ago. My best case scenario would be keeping Lindsey Nelson exactly as it is as a practice complex, and then putting just across the river. Um, you, if you can get land, which is tough to do so close to downtown Knoxville, but there's some land over there. If um, they can get together, um, Randy Boyd and the University of Tennessee can get together and basically split a ballpark. That way you could also have football parking right across the bridge mm-hmm. uh, to go into town, which Fulmer wants for football games. Right. To me, that seems like a win-win for everyone if, if, if they can get the scheduling worked out where Tennessee uses Lindsey Nelson, either either use Lindsey Nelson as a practice facility or knock it down and put some more dorms or academic buildings over there and then build just across the river. But you have to put it right next to, basically right next to the river, right next to a to one of those um, bridges so you can get students to go there. But I think that is something that Tennessee could do. And, and even if they can't do that, they just need to stop just putting a couple paint, coat, coats of right. paint. Like they're trying to do to Lindsey Nelson what I'm doing with the shed over here. Make a commitment. Just put, just put a little bit of paint on it. You're like, hey, look, it's not a decrepit old murder shed. Like, you know, it just blow it up or really, really, really fix it. However you do it, just make a commitment and try to keep pace. I mean, if you want to be a competitive program, keep pace with the people around you. This is what it costs to do. Right. This is what it costs. Cost of doing business. There you go. That's a better Speaking way of cost it. of doing business. Hey guys, um, I got more questions. Do you like, uh, do you like, do you like products and services? Sure. Yes, I do, Wes. Do you like the good old fashioned in-house ad occasionally? Bring it on. Or we promo some other things that are going on in the CBS podcast network? Yes, I do. Love it. Well, hit me I, with it. I got good news for you guys. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. A great ad. Did you guys like it? I'm ready to, to take part of those goods and services. Great job all around. Yeah, good Everybody. job. Good job. Products. Works to be proud Services, of. you know, just... 
hey, we whatever it was, there's a there's a fifty percent chance we one hundred percent support that product. You know, you know what Ron Swanson says about capitalism, right? Yeah, it's God's, God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor. Yeah, it's a good point. We got football stuff to talk about. It is Football Friday, right? Because we're going to drop this. Something like that. We're recording this on our Friday morning. Going to drop it to you on a Friday afternoon. Turn this thing around pretty quickly. And uh, I will give a shout out and say next week, I think, uh, Raymond and I are going to have a uh, Hoops podcast. And Pat, you're obviously welcome to join us. We're e- whether we get a guest Thank or not. You. Whether we get a guest or not, we're going to try to bring on uh, someone to discuss Victor Bailey, the new Tennessee commitment. Because we just put out a Tennessee basketball podcast talking about an addition. I mean, it didn't have Bailey on there. Because well, it hadn't happened yet. It hadn't happened when it happened we recorded a few the podcast. Hours later. Yeah, it happened really quickly after, and we couldn't get it scheduled again um, in our busy lives to get here and get together in the uh, fake studio. I believe my, my man went. Where were you at? You were at somewhere. You were at a movie theater. I was right? sitting in a movie theater watching Aladdin with my five year old daughter. Oh, that's right. It's a so, big summer. Big summer movies for the rainy it's always, house. It's always a fun time. But we got a couple football things to discuss. Uh, we will get to the basketball stuff next week um, when we do a football and a basketball podcast about this. But guys, um, we had a, a really good time on the site uh, Wednesday, I believe it was. Was it Wednesday? Was Wednesday the the all day chat day? Go yes, it was. On GoVols twenty four seven checkerboard, which by the way is still the best website ever on Al Gore's internets. So go there, checkerboard, GoVols twenty four seven dot com. Check us out. We had an all day chat on there, and uh, naturally this time of year, especially with the baseball season just ending, there were plenty of basketball questions, but obviously a ton of football questions coming up on Jeremy Pruitt's second season with the program, and there were a couple of scheduling-type questions, and, and by that I mean this season's schedule, matching up, not future schedules, but this season, sort of, you know, some some games that, that could be surprising, some some games where Tennessee could win when they're expected to lose, maybe lose when they're expected to win. A couple of good hypotheticals here. So we got a few things we're going to talk about here. First one came with a good question. I believe it was our, was our good friend uh, Brick Tamlin, Loud Noises, on the board. Shout out to Loud Noises. Thank Shout you out for Loud your participation Noises and your quality question. Now, Pat, tell me if I'm tell me if I'm reading this wrong, but I believe the gist of the question was, "What is more likely?" What are you laughing? We you have to. We, you the question get wrong? I don't have it pulled up, so you're asking me to get the gist of it. What, I, oh, we talked about it beforehand. Yeah. Um. Go ahead. It, it's it's pick one basically. It's basically what's going to happen. Do you think it's more likely that Tennessee goes six and zero in its quote toss up games, or defeat one of Georgia, Florida, Alabama. Uh well on the board I said six and zero. Oh. <clears throat> Wait. I think that's tough. <laughs> now while while we're doing this, we should mention people are saying I, I mean what, let's let's pe- pe- people are saying what are the toss up games. So we'll, So you're saying they're gonna beat one of Georgia, Florida, Alabama. No, 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 no. Just go through the games first, then we'll get into it. Okay. Here are if we're talking about the toss-up games, right? We're probably talking, if you're Tennessee, did they include BYU in the toss-up games? Yes. yes. The, the toss-up games were... BYU. There's this weird noise over here. Eliminate Georgia State, Chattanooga, UAB. Eliminate Alabama, Georgia, Florida. What's left on the schedule? It are, is. Are your toss-up games? Uh, here, here are the toss-up games. Missouri, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Mississippi State, BYU, South Carolina. Did I get them right? Right. What do I get? Do I get, a, do I get an award? The door prize. It'll be after the pod. Yeah, you get an award of the uh, the frogs that are out there making noises right so now. So do you think it's more likely that you're going to run the table in those six games or upset or beat, depending on how you look at those games, Florida at Florida, September 21st, uh, Georgia at home, October 5th, or at Alabama? Well, they're not going to win at Alabama. No, I don't think a- so. And, the reason- and they're not going to win at Florida because they never won at Florida. Grant and I were in high school last time they won in Florida. Or I've it actually might have been a middle school. I have covered multiple Tennessee wins in the swamp because you're old, very old, very old, very old. Uh, I mean, there are I mean, there. I think you can count them all on one hand, like in, in the entire history of yep. the stadium. And we should um, we should say the reason that Mississippi State is a toss up game is because that lost. team was good last season, but it lost like well, that's, that's I mean, the, so many draft. That's picks. the thing. Like, um, I mean, the the one, and who knows what Florida is going to be like? I think Florida. I think they whether they win ten games last year. There's. There's some smoke and mirrors with that to me. They got they got a lot of help from the teams they were playing. Who, a couple of them imploded against. I mean, them. I don't. Yeah, think Tennessee just straight up imploded. The reason against Florida. I think I've, I think I replied to that question saying that the one and two is more likely. I just think it'll be more difficult to be consistently good against those six teams 
There's some tough games. In you, there. You're saying you're you're accounting for the possibility of another Auburn like performance. Right, where they, right. They, I don't, they rise up and play their best game. Right. Of the I, year I don't know that they were team on better than Auburn last year, but they went down there and won at Auburn, and they looked like a pretty good football team that day. Uh, I don't think Florida was 30 points better than Tennessee at halftime last no. year, but Tennessee played really bad, and Florida yeah. played really Six well. Six turnovers will lose you most games. I don't know if Tennessee was a 24-7 kind of better team than Kentucky was last year, but the way they won that game, I mean, that was a pretty dominant performance. That was a really bad day at the office for Kentucky and a really good day for Tennessee. That was I a good think matchup it's for easier. Them too, yeah. I think they could go to Florida and win if stuff happened and breaks went their way. Uh, I think that's more likely than uh, playing consistently well all throughout a really tough schedule and winning and, those six games and, against and, teams that are very similar to you in terms of uh, skill and talent. And, and with Florida, um, I, you know, we'll have to see. We'll, we'll have a better idea most this year than most years of how good Florida is before they get to the Tennessee game because right. uh, they're playing Miami to open the season. While they're moving that game up a week is beyond me. I guess we have to wait less for football, so that's pretty cool, right? Um, yep. They're going to play it in Orlando in the middle of August. Good luck with that, guys. Does Florida get how many shirtless three, people? How many shirtless people? Do they get stadium? technically three open dates now? Potentially, uh, although I think everybody gets two. <coughs> then if you move the game up, um, and then they also play Kentucky too, and they have to go to Lexington, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's right, because Kentucky won down there last year for the first time in ages. Um, and so it's a night game in Lexington. Be be scared. Yeah, and and for Florida, it's all. If I'm Kentucky, I'm wondering why is Florida never had to play in Lexington in like November because that's right. when I would want that game. If you were Kentucky, wouldn't you want <laughs> to play all degrees. of your SEC? Like, listen, why don't uh, like we'll go on the road for the first <laughs> six weeks of the season. Yeah. If you make every late other October. SEC team come here in late October and November, no November yeah. that would be ideal. Um, but you know, I just you know, I I, I don't know that I and, and you know they were competitive with Georgia last year. I think they had a really good game plan in that game. Um, and I think, you know, for a while there, that, that game was more competitive than, than a lot of people thought it would be. Georgia scores a fluke touchdown early in the game. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee makes a great play, turns into a Georgia touchdown. That's just bad luck. But otherwise, you know, they had Jake Fromm rattled a little bit there. And once they figured some things out on offense, it was, you know, they made Georgia, they Dar- put some game pressure Darryl on Daryl Taylor there. went ham. They, they put some game Darryl pressure Taylor on him. Um, and so, you know, obviously Jim Chaney will know Georgia's personnel really well. Jeremy Pruitt knows. Um, that defense or, you know, knows that offense and knows, uh, that personnel really well. Um, and he wants to be Kirby smart, obviously. Uh, yeah, probably more than he wants to be anybody else on the schedule if we're being honest, but, um, there's other no, games. There's no question. There, there's other games. What are those six games? I mean, two of them are Kentucky and Vanderbilt, which it's not, it, it's no longer a given, but it should be. Mm-hmm. BYU went to Camp Randall and beat I Wisconsin mean, last year, guys. And, and, yeah. I mean, and that, they also lost some bad games too. Yeah, but you've seen what they can do. BYU's uh, plus B- their, their average team is like older than me. BYU's first player. four games, by the way, is ridiculous. Uh, their home, they, the Tennessee's their only road game, and their home games are USC, Utah, and Washington. Rough. But then they play like then they they're playing like all over the place later in the year because they're an independent and they have to schedule that way. But um, you know, you get BYU at home, you get South Carolina at home, you get Mississippi State at home. Mississippi State lost a lot. We got to figure out. I, I'm not. I'm not totally so sold on on Joe Moorhead yet because he won with Mullins guys. Yeah, and he won with a lot of really good NFL players. I mean, they they really had four of the first 44 NFL draft picks this past year, I mean, they, and like half the combine was seen to be state state players. I mean, they year. had double that at the combine. I don't know how many they ended up with, but I think it was seven or eight, and they won eight do you, games. Do you think that game is tougher because it's sandwiched in between Georgia and Alabama? Yes, but it, I mean, it's a home game. Obviously, that that helps a lot. But that's I, I, that's. It's a week after what's going to be a tough Georgia game uh, and a week before what's going to be obviously always a monumentally tough uh, trip to Tuscaloosa. I think the good thing about that is that if you want to be optimistic about it, you know that you're playing Georgia the week before, so you are doing your best to get everything finely tuned and you're going to get in game mode. So you're going to be, if you're Tennessee, hopefully performing at or near your peak against Georgia – so you can maybe kind of ride that wave into the next week a little bit as long as you focus on the opponent, take them seriously. Your game, your you know, you should be physically dialed up. Fitzgerald should have them where they're kind of cycled up to be good right then. And so, because that's and, one of those big games and, on the schedule. And you bring up the the buy situation, that Missouri game, and who knows what these teams are going to look like in mid-November because it's early June. But uh, Tennessee will be coming off an open date that before they go to right. Columbia and and Missouri's two games before Tennessee comes to town are at Georgia and Florida at home. So, 
Here's uh, that if that's I, I think Georgia and Tennessee are both off before that game. If if you know if we're looking into that, I think there's one other team that maybe has an open date before Tennessee plays them. But um, I I just you know if Tennessee makes some steps, you know I I don't know that they'll go six and zero, oh, but they could win more of those games than you maybe think they that's lose. more likely than uh, winning one of the other three. That's being discussed. Given given the gap between Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia. Even even a great game from Tennessee may not be enough. And but you Flor- don't you don't and, have to beat those. You don't have to beat those two though. And Florida just got to beat one of them. <laughs> and Flo- you just yeah, got either you, one. You just no no no. You just got to beat one of the three. <laughs> you can go. You can go zero and two in those games and lay two big stinking eggs. Uh, but if you upset Florida, then you're right because because Gainesville's answering. been really a really fun trip for the Vols for the last almost oh, yeah. twenty years. Take care of business. Well, he, here's here's <laughs> here the they only- have invented ways to lose on it. Now, granted, they don't have Bush Jones leading them down in this time so. Mm-hmm. It's true. I, I, here's Which why is an advantage. It can't turning, be turning purple on the sideline. Here's why I think one and two Failure in those other John games. Kelly in the red zone. Here's why I think I'm going to go with one and two in the big oh. in the tough three. <laughs> Never mind. I changed my pick. I changed my pick. <laughs> may I, may I well, have get, may may I at least opine before you get, disagree with me publicly? But those six games, they get four of them at home. Yeah. Maybe this is the year Neyland becomes Neyland again, and people are fired up, and that place is hard to play. Uh, and the and the two road games are like I said, Missouri off. You know, that Tennessee has an advantageous schedule there with the, the open dates and who Missouri's playing. And then uh, what's the other game? It's not it's not at Vanderbilt. It's at Kentucky, right? At yeah. Kentucky in November. Here, here's why I go six and uh, one and two in the, in the in the tough three being more likely. I do agree with Grant, and I hate to say that. Sorry, but, Grant. Well, no, just in yeah. just in this sense, Truff. just in this ruined. sense, in that it's hard for me to take a look at any six opponents. And go, yep, Tennessee's going to win all six of those games for sure. They're not anywhere near a talent level right now, a consistency level where I can look at any six games on that schedule and say, I guarantee you they're going to win all six of those games. I just can't do it. Well, if they win all six of those games, they're probably going nine and three. I mean, I mean let, let's be honest here. If if you're ten, if you're Tennessee, you and probably Jeremy think will be the SEC coach yeah, of the year. If you're Tennessee, you you think probably that. You know, let's not forget Vanderbilt drug them up and down the field last year. That game was not just wide on the scoreboard that game you know that that game was like if you watch the eyeball test the line of scrimmage whatever way vanderbilt was pushing it offensively or defensively that's which way the line of scrimmage that that game doesn't matter anymore it's over no it doesn't but i'm saying zero impact but i'm saying there was that showed you how much room this program needs to go forward like how much that that and tennessee had a lot riding on that game too so it wasn't like they weren't ready to play or weren't focused they knew they were going to be in for a fight, and they got pushed around. So they were also out of gas, which I got, I got blown up on Twitter for tweeting that at the time. But then Phil Fulmer came out and said the same thing. So, so there you go. So I was right. Twitter, Twitter morons, you're wrong. Athletic director Patrick. Is this you pointing to the scoreboard? Yes, it is. I like that. Here and here's the other part I'm going to say about that. The reason why I know last year when Tennessee was getting ready to play Bama, I, there was a sense, and I mentioned it a little bit, but there was a sense talking to people in and around the program that they just knew Bama was going to be gross. They, they basically looked at it. They basically looked at it and said, I don't know how you can look at this film and say that this game is going to be close. Some, someone was like, if Bama turns the ball over as many times as Tennessee did against Florida, you got a chance maybe, but Bama could run on every play or throw in every play and score 50 points if it wanted to. That that just and it was 28 nothing in the first quarter. That was an unreal discrepancy in talent. And you would think the same thing about Georgia, but I I I promise you this is true. Going into the Georgia game, there was not that sense at all. And here's the weird thing. Tennessee does not ever get scared playing Georgia. It just doesn't. Tennessee wets its pants against Florida pretty regularly. It does things against Florida like Grant hasn't won it in Gainesville this year. So. Like like Kentucky, you know how Kentucky, Sharpie. You know how you know how like uh like how how Kentucky is with Tennessee. Yes, they see they see the bright orange tea and they and it's pucker time. Yeah, that's Tennessee and Florida. Squeaky bum time. But with Georgia, <laughs> Tennessee never ever ever gets scared. And well, I mean, and you can make the case that the, the last, cat, yeah, the last time Georgia was here it was a 41 nothing Georgia win. Correct. But that's not been the norm in this series. No. There, and, and Tennessee talk, talk a lot of that up to uh, old Butch there. Tennessee finds a way to play competitively against Georgia. And Tennessee last season, I can tell you this: Pruitt, after some games where they lost, 
he was not furious. I mean, the competitor in him was embarrassed, but he knew going into the game what could happen. For whatever reason, going into that Georgia game, they had some confidence, and they almost knew that they were going to make that a competitive ball game. And, and, and that Georgia won that game because it had better players, yes. not because it had better coaching yes. on that Tennessee day. Tennessee schemed that up. It's like South Carolina. Tennessee schemed that game up for the most part really, really well. And sure, if you're a Georgia fan, you're going to sit there and say, well, when Georgia needed to, it, it stepped on Tennessee's throat. 100% true. I cannot disagree with that, and I won't even try to. But I will say that Tennessee knew going into that game that it had a chance, even in Athens, even with that much talent discrepancy, because of the way that Pruitt knows Kirby and Kirby knows Pruitt. They knew what the other wanted to do. They had some schemes. They had some answers ready to go because there are no secrets, no mysteries in that game. Yeah, but the, it's the, going to be even more so this year. Now, Georgia is exponentially more talented than Tennessee, full stop. There is no way to argue anything else. But they got to come up here, and that's a game. I think Tennessee has a better chance to beat either Georgia or Florida than it does to go 6-0 in those toss-up games. I don't think either's going to happen. I think y'all are nuts, but that's just me. I don't think either's going to happen. But, I mean, we all know Bama's going to be a loss, right? Like, let's just, can we just call that what it is? Right, obviously. Yeah. I mean, okay, that's fair. It is what it is. Uh, The second question, we got a couple of them to get to here. Um, And we've already discussed this a little bit, so I don't think we need to discuss it a ton. Um, But, and and I already forgot who asked the question on the board, so I apologize. Who was it? What's the question? I'll probably remember. Is BYU a concern? Nobody asked that question. Uh, we we, th- we Wait, well then why, then why did you have me put it on here well, as part of the discussion? Because you, you didn't listen. Um, yes, I did. ESPN earlier this week or Grant, you you, Wait, you wrote you this. Will you Just explain kidding. this? Games to beware for the top twenty-five teams. Tennessee was the game to beware for Georgia. Which well, we already just talked about that. So we we decided. I think we determined before the podcast we were going to say what game should Tennessee be aware of. Maybe we should say. Maybe we should lump it to the. Uh, the toss-up games. Which of those six games should Tennessee be most wary of? Yeah, or which, is that what we said we were going to do? Which game that most people are banking as a win really could be a loss? Well, I mean, how many how many of these games are people actually banking as a win? I mean, this team was five and seven last year and was favored to win three games. Well, you've got the half of the Tennessee fan base that won't do that, but you got the other half that will. You know that. You know you've got that good section of people who look at the power T on the helmet, think we're Tennessee, and think and think. Power T on the helmet, 10 wins coming. Like that, that's just what every year they get themselves. It's like uh, they're, 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 they're Tammy Wynette standing by the man. Like every, every time it goes into the season, you know, it's just like you, you hear the same thing every offseason. People go into it being like, you know, after the last season, like, man, just need to, just need to find a way to, you know, get like six, seven wins next year. And then by the time you get to like May, you're like, man, I think this team could win like seven, eight right. games. And then by the time you get to like July, August, it's like, man, I think this game could, I think this team could win ten games. And that's just, that's just what fans do. It's, it's not wrong. It's just what they do. Yeah, and, and you could, you could make a case for any of those six games, uh, you know, being the the beware game. So, uh, Grant, you you wrote the thing on. On ESPN, we'll give you first pick of those six. Unless, of you, want those to, six? unless you want to pick like UAB or somebody. I, I mean. think BYU is uh, the game because it's so early in the season. Um, once the SEC schedule gets going, uh, I, I don't know. I think you you be aware of every game if you're Tennessee because you're fighting so hard to uh, just win six games and, and get back to a bowl game and, and kind of take that next step forward. Obviously, they want to win a lot more than six games, but I think that's where you start. But I think it's BYU because – uh, it's so early in the season. It's a team you've never played before. It's a, it's a night game at Neyland, uh, second game of the year, uh, when there's still a ton of uh, what's happened in the past with Tennessee seasons that and have BYU, gone wrong. BYU's there's, already played a serious opponent right, by then. There's a ton of excitement early in the season. Uh, it fades, obviously, as, as teams struggle. Uh, that's going to be a big game, and, and that's going to be a kind of a, a tone setter. Um, it's one I think it's one you started kind of worrying about when you saw BYU do, did what they do or did what they did at Wisconsin last year and, and upset Wisconsin, a team that was ranked number six at the time, and the way they did it. So, I mean, that's the one I picked because it's so early in the season. You don't want to get caught looking ahead to Florida. It's a good opponent. They know how to play football. Uh, they've won their share games over the years. Uh, and it'll be a tough one to win, but I guess it would be one that Tennessee should win. Well, you, you, you know, with, you know, back in the old days, BYU was known for putting up 50 points a game with some of the yeah. quarterbacks they had now. Lately, they're they're a bit more known for being really stingy defensively. They don't make a lot of things easy and, for a and, lot of teams. And even after Bronco Mendenhall left, they kept that kind of mentality in the program. Uh, and they've got like, um, there's like a 
I don't want to say a family, but like a clan. They've got like, there's like four brothers on this team. I think it's like, I can't, they have one of those like Samoan names. It's really hard to pronounce. One of them got drafted this year, but there's still like three of them on the team. They're BYU's Baileys. Yes. Um, <clears throat> they're, the, they're the Colquitts, basically. Yeah. Um, except they're all there at once. Uh, and, um, you know, but then, and, but offensively, though, um, you know, BYU has a freshman quarterback. I don't, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he was, I think, at 18 of 18 in their bowl game. Now they're playing Western Michigan, but. Still? He was like 18 of 18 for like 350 and like four touchdowns. And so um, <clears throat> if they get, you know, that, that's kinda, that guy's kind of the wild card for that team. My, my pick in this situation is Mississippi State because you're taking a program in Tennessee that is still in year two of a rebuild uh, against a team that and a program that Dan Mullen over the past decade established. And, uh, and Joe Moorhead, I, I said I questioned him earlier. He's not had enough time to, I don't want to say run into the ground, but he's not had time to have it drop off just yet yeah and so there's still a lot of good players usually, a lot takes, of players, about, usually takes about three years a lot of players that have been developed um i do believe they uh they're obviously losing they fitzgerald on offense in addition to all those guys on defense yeah um, like an entire and, d-line and fitzgerald <laughs> is is up there with tim tebow and josh dobbs uh who else like cam newton and and Johnny Menzel in terms of like the best dual threat running passing quarter Dak Prescott too. Uh, and, and, and and despite having he, a, he's, despite, he's up there despite whole, having a catastrophic injury, came yes, back and still exactly. did it. He inside and, you know, and, you know, for Mississippi State, all they pretty much had to do last year was score twenty points, they'd win yep. because their defense was loaded yep. uh with Bob Shoop who Shout out Bob doesn't Shoup. suck. Shout out Bob Shoop. Uh, and so um that, that's a tough game. And Mississippi State's coming off a of, coming off an open date too. That was the other team that was coming off an open date before they played Tennessee. Um and so Tennessee Tennessee will just play Georgia, right? Grant. Yeah, correct. And so Mississippi State will be coming in. I think they'll have played Auburn <clears throat> and Kentucky by then, but um they'll have a, a week to regroup and, and get ready and, and then they'll come to, to Neyland. And I still think a lot of people may not realize there's still a lot of pretty good football players on that team. Um and, and I do believe they have uh their backup quarterback. Is, was pretty good last year. Another guy that can mm-hmm. run and throw, and then they brought in, uh, I think, a transfer from Penn State, a quarterback as well, who could be a guy that Moorhead knows very well from having coached there. And so that could be a situation where that could be a tough game for Tennessee. That's no. my pick of the games to be aware of. Games that that are toss up games that you'd see Tennessee winning, but you could also see them losing by three touchdowns. Yeah, my the the one I was going to say initially. Um, Don't say Vanderbilt. Don't do it. The name I was going to Don't say initially. On was thinking about Vandy because but oh, not boy. I'm not I didn't go with Vandy because Sounds Sher- like you're going with Vandy right now. No, because he's at because West Rucker two four seven on Twitter. Shermer hit him up. Shermer was a Tennessee killer and he's gone. And I don't think we can assume that Vanderbilt's just gonna figure out there and step and have another guy who's gonna be pretty good. We we have to that has to be proved. So we don't know that. So the qu- answer I'm going to give is Kentucky. And the reason I'm going to say that is because I know it's Kentucky, and Kentucky usually just finds a way to screw it up against Tennessee. But I think people are making the assumption that because Benny Snell and Josh Allen Allen are gone, that that team is just done. And And like three defensive backs that got drafted. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think so, because I've heard – here's why I think – I've heard really good things about their offseason development and some of the guys they've got coming back on both lines of scrimmage. They've done a pretty good job in that program of kind of doing what you have to do if you're Kentucky. You sign some 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 guys who are a little bit smaller, you redshirt them, you put weight on them, you develop them into pretty good linemen, or you take them and make edge rushers out of them if they were high school wide receivers. If you're Kentucky, that's the path you have to take to being pretty good in the SEC. And I've heard from people up there that they're pleasantly surprised with both lines of scrimmage with some of the talent they've got there. And if I'm Tennessee, that sends a little bit of a shiver down my spine because I know if I'm Tennessee, my line of scrimmage is a concern until proved otherwise. And so that's why I think if you're talking about a game, you're going to Kentucky at night. You know, we don't that, know if it's at night yet. Well, I'm just I'm guessing. It usually it. is. I'm guessing. Feels it's like it usually it just, is. You know, it's well, noon, course, noon or seven. Course, I think the I think the sun sets at like two p.m. up there in the winter. Yes, and it's in Commonwealth Stadium. <laughs> Uh, the the artist formerly known as Commonwealth Stadium, it's Kroger Field now. Kroger Field, always Commonwealth Stadium to me. It uh, basically, I think, was built. You probably on, you probably around back before it was even built. Yeah, it's true. Single bar helmets. Yeah, the uh, they played it up. The leather, Bryant was at Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, the leather helmets. Um, but but no, I I think that that and that it was built on a glacier. Let's just call it what it is. But I I think that game, you know, we'll see what kind of season Tennessee's having. If Tennessee's having a pretty good season, you'll see a ton of orange in there. <laughs> You'll see a fair amount of orange anyway, but if Tennessee's really struggling, 
bunch of people up there do not want to go see Tennessee lose to Kentucky. They just people who who for thirty years didn't have to see it. They just can't train their eyes to look at that carnage. And so it still the, only happened twice in the past, like what three decades. But if it's a concern, I think some people will stay away because they don't want to be a part of that. They, if you're a longtime Tennessee football fan, one of your nightmare scenarios is sitting in a parking lot having someone in a Kentucky or Vanderbilt sweatshirt giving you the business because they just embarrassed your team. If you're a Tennessee fan, that's about the lowest level of of embarrassment because you're thinking, well, if it's even if South Carolina does it, that sucks. Missouri, that sucks. Like, you know, whatever. But if it's one, if it's a Kentucky or Vandy, you're like, oh, that's just not appropriate. Or you can just, or you can just toughen up, go up there, take a poster, draw the uh, SEC tournament basketball score on there yeah. from this past season. Maybe get, maybe get a photo on there of Grant Admiral or whoever. Or, or start a UK basketball. Clap, 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 clap. Um, I would... If I didn't pick BYU, I would go with Kentucky, and I don't think it's because of as much to do with Kentucky as it is to do with the five games, five of the six games before that being... That's the end of the long, grueling run, Right, Florida, it? Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina, the five toughest games on your schedule. Tennessee's annual midseason guillotine, right. the, the October guillotine. Right, you get a, you get a homecoming... The boa constrictor that squeezes the life out of your you, season. You get the homecoming UAB date the week before, but still. Uh, and UAB's not going to be a slouch, I mean, they... That, they, I don't you, think they were competitive against Texas A&M last year, but they won ten or eleven games. They, I mean, you, you get Georgia, you get Georgia State yeah. to open the season. You should win that game. You get a really good test with BYU the second game. You get Chattanooga the third game, and then you go to Florida, and you get a bye week, and then it's a month straight of Georgia, Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina, and it's a little bit of a bye week with UAB in the homecoming game uh, before that Kentucky trip. But it's still going to Kentucky in November after that stretch. Plus, it's it's the gauntlet that for a team like Tennessee, it still has. I don't want to say essentially no depth, but minimal depth. Yeah, very, they're still very, they're still two three glasses away from having it. They're still very early in the yeah, it's process just, of trying to turn over the roster. Here's here, here's my other my my final question is I, I don't think this came up during the chat, but this is something I, I've been thinking about. I think there was one more question we had on the chat. Oh no, are go you, ahead, go ahead. No, are you getting to it now? No, I think we mentioned it. We mentioned the more likely question we mentioned the uh, is BYU a concern we mentioned what game might they be expected to lose or do you want to go the flip side which one do you think they could win that a lot of people don't think they can win I think we kind of already touched on that with the with Georgia one versus two nonsense so I don't I don't think I think I think that was all the one things that we wrote down wasn't it there was a question on there from cover orange that we said we were going to give you a shout out so shout out for whatever that question was it was great <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. The, I, I it was think he wanted. Question. I think he wanted to know uh, what of the Tennessee's expected losses would they could they win had the best chance of winning. Which what could be the Auburn game this time? Yes, around? essentially. Or what could be the Kentucky yep. game because Kentucky was like ranked eleventh at the time or something. I, I picked Florida just because I don't. I'm still not sold. I think there's some smoke and mirrors. I don't know that that team is far and away better than, than and hasn't been recruiting at the highest level either so plus they've had some offseason drama and plus the quarterback is still felipe franks who uh can throw the ball 800 billion he, yards he, in, in one heave he could be good but then if you you know if you get him on a bad day you know you got a chance still through one of the most unbelievable passes and, and if tennessee seen. goes there three and oh i think they're extremely motivated by the the results against florida georgia alabama uh, Missouri, all those kind of games. Those have been the, those have been taped up on the on right, the locker room. They're saying every day when they walk in the locker room this those summer. Very lopsided scores that kind of showed the gap between so some never of those again, teams. Right. Yeah. right. Hashtag never again. Uh, if when you go to Gainesville, you might be three and zero, and if you win that game and you're four and zero, that makes a pretty huge statement after the first month of the season. Yeah. That uh, Jeremy Pruitt's a really good football coach. That the five and seven record last year and the way last season ended. Uh, with the Missouri loss, the Vanderbilt loss, that that's something of the past, and they're heading the right direction. I just think there will be a ton of motivation uh, for that game if they if there's a Auburn game on this schedule that kind of win that might be it. Here's here's the the question I had, and it's about the schedule, which is the reason I'm mentioning it now um, before we duck on out of here is you can't do anything about it because the bye week has been put where it's been put bye weeks, you know, it's open dates. You know, yeah, but okay, by weeks and so, and use open dates is it's not like they're advancing in a tournament. But I it, hate by weeks. I it, want to do away with it more than I want to do away with the possession area in basketball. And yeah, la- last year was the open date where I um, 
you know, was all excited, you know, because we have the big we have the big HD projector here. Is that when your house died? No, no. This, okay. is, this is the other sad story. When I had, um, you know, because I had that big HD projector, was gonna put a bunch of games out there on the porch, the big screen HD watching them. Had the speaker set up. It was gonna be just an awesome day. We had got some stuff for the grill, and that's the day that I fell down the stairs oh, at my yes, own house one. and uh, broke a rib. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, last the open date's a little. That was the day that the stairs murdered you. It's a sensitive topic right now. Uh, yeah, upstairs good, downstairs not so good. Um, but if you here, here's my question. Do you like those open dates where they are? Because do you think it's a good thing? A lot of coaches like to have the open date pretty early in the season because they know on one hand that the grind of a season at the end really wears on you and having an open date then could really help. And Tennessee has one before the past couple of weeks. But is it better, you know, but but they still like having the open date early because whatever I, whatever you're doing early in the season, that's not what you thought you were going to see in camp. You can get it addressed quickly. Well, I, ideally, if you got to pick, you'd want one after four games, and then after your fourth game, and then after your eighth game. So you'd have like just three little mini seasons. I'm talking about with this schedule sp- specifically, though. I still think that's what that that's what I would want. I mean, I would want one after Alabama, <laughs> just because. No, no, no. That should be an SEC rule. Everyone gets an open. Of, everyone but LSU gets an open. Date it comes at a Alabama. good point. It get, comes at a good point to reset your season and get right. ready for the and finish. You, I, you got a big <coughs> home game with uh, South Carolina after that. I think the first one be in the November schedule. I think the first one is fine. You get your first four games. You get that trip out of, to Florida out of the way, um, and then you have time to get ready for your. Gone. You you avoid Florida Georgia back to back Saturdays. Yeah, I, I like I like the fact that they don't have an open date either before or after UAB because that would be kind of a waste. Um, that you know, You're no, just hating on the Blazers, man. I'm just I'm just saying if I'm it's not maybe dissing UAB as much as it is talking about the other teams they're on gonna, the schedule. They're gonna put the podcast. They're gonna put this podcast up on their locker room. Yeah, and they're gonna have like go all twenty four seven podcast jokes never again. <laughs> but no, I, I I think that I like having one. You know. I I like where they are because I, I think like, the second one's a, just a week late, maybe a week or two too late. I like the Florida Georgia split up with a with an open date, and the reason is, I just mentioned this a little bit, but if you're a coach, you spend the entire offseason drawing up plans, right? You think this is what your offense is going to look like, this is what your defense is going to look like, this guy's going to produce, this guy's not going to produce, and then you go into the first few games and you find out, lo and behold, some guys are gamers, some guys have progressed more than you thought they were. Some guys just have a knack for making big plays. And you notice that in in camp, you know, or you have a big injury in the first couple of games, and you have to completely reshuffle your lineup. You know, you have to reshuffle your entire O-line. You have to, you know, your middle linebacker goes out, so you got to slide somebody else in there and then move some guys around. If your bye week is early in the season, that's a really good time to say, okay, here's what surprised me, and here's how I can fix it. So I like having it early in the season, and I think in a perfect world, the second one to me would come probably after Bama, and that way you just play your final five games, and that would give you two bye weeks or open dates in the first like six, seven weeks. But I, I'm I think that would be more ideal because you think about November football, you think about playing all the time, you know, you think about you know you just don't think about many open dates like in November. That's kind of weird. I think if you get them both out of the way, because doesn't the NFL do it? Like they only have one. Yeah, they only have one. They only have one. But isn't it like right around like the tenth, uh, maybe like the tenth or eleventh? No, there's some teams that have them like early, week, like week five. Early, no, no, no. Yeah. But I'm saying they have like there's a certain cutoff point in the season, like Where either week ten or eleven. Your, week, yeah. You have to have it by then, and yeah. then you've played the last like six or seven weeks, right? Everybody's in the same window. Yeah, I think that's to me that's I would like having something like that where then you get all of November. Well, this is the NFL, November. so I'm just, that, I think that's something so to sh- think about. That's all. That, shut that's, that down. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Well, you said this, it. This isn't the National Football League that we're talking about. The second the second yeah, bye week. Yeah, Graham would be more interested if we were. The second bye week uh, gives Tennessee fans the chance to make the commute, short commute to Toronto. Uh, for the for the game against for the for the basketball game we're gonna Washington. go we're gonna have some we're gonna what, what is it we're gonna what's the Canadian food we're gonna have Ben Hortons gonna have some uh some was it the, the poutine or whatever yeah, they call it Tim Hortons not Ben Hortons Tim Hortons the fries Tim with the, the fries with the gravy and cheese yeah whatever that's called ben yeah we're gonna do that is it at the uh, where are they playing that game at Scotiabank Air, Air Drake Center you think Drake will be there maybe you'll get to see y'all maybe I'll get to see a NBA Finals banner up there 
Well, you'll get to see, see uh, finals later. But. James Wiseman and uh, who was the kid they just got a couple weeks ago? They got everybody. Another, they got two like top eight players. So that'll be. Fun. If you're talking about Penny, he got everyone everywhere. No, no, we're talking about uh, whatever the dude's name is at Washington. I can't even remember. Washington, that, that uh, Hopkins, Mike Hopkins. Mike Hopkins. He, they, they, they've recruited like gangbusters ever since he's gotten there. So that's going to be a surprisingly, surprisingly fun um, game. That, that is a 12 hour drive per the Googles. We'll, we'll just rent an RV. Yeah. Drive it up there. Let it get torn apart at the border. And plus, you know, Grant looks for any excuse he can to get away from his kids. So we're going to be able to, we'll just do that for that weekend. We'll go up to kids Toronto. Will appreciate it. Then who benefits more, them or, or him? Probably them, if we're being honest. Uh, Grant, before we get out of here, we're going to do an entire podcast on this, but I don't want to not mention it. Are Quick. we, we going to talk about the future of alcohol in Neil Stadium? Ooh. I mentioned this before, a, and you did you write it down? No, that, I didn't. That's, that's a why. separate topic for its own podcast. That, All right. That's a lengthy discussion, I think. <laughs> Where we're gonna, well, here's what we'll do next week. We'll 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 Stay do tuned. we'll do yeah. it CNN Teaser. cross. We'll, we'll do it like CNN Crossfire PTI style. We'll bring in like I don't know what any of that stuff means. We're we're gonna we'll, we'll bring in like one um very like anti person, probably some sort of like a some sort of like a minister, some sort of, and then we'll bring in someone on the other end who's like, bro, it's college football, we party, and then we have them debate. Or we can just sounds like good radio to me. Or we can just, or we can just act. We could just act. We'll okay, be actors. We'll do that. Pretend, but, but Pretend. I, uh, we do need to. Gra- I don't want to be the minister, though. We're going to have an entire podcast <laughs> on this. We're we'll going to bring Ryan in for that one. Yeah, he'll have to point Callahan. We'll have to be that guy. Wet blanket Callahan will play the will play the part of the wet blanket. It, Ryan or um, oh, we were Ryan. just talking about Ryan. We were just talking about Ryan Grant. It's a watershed moment. We're going to twenty four seven. He said he said to me all the time. He's a jerk go. over there. We're gonna let's quickly about this because we didn't get. We're gonna do an entire podcast on this kid, um, but Victor Bailey Jr., guard from Oregon, former top 100 player, maybe didn't have top 100 player type results at Oregon, but didn't did have really some big games. Um, uh, great personality. Everyone who seems to talk about the kid loves the kid. He's from Austin, uh, has a background there with Barnes. Obviously, there's there's no mystery there. Um, why was this something Tennessee felt like it needed to do? Because you have uh, Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden both entering their final seasons at Tennessee. Uh, you're going to have to obviously reload your backcourt. Uh, it does make the numbers question kind of interesting in 2020 because right now they'll only have, uh, I believe, one spot open, something like that, uh, with the 2020 class. And they got a lot of uh, big-name talent on the board like Jaden Springer and, and Keon Johnson, guys that they have a lot of traction with. Uh, moving forward, I think that it's something where you might have to oversign in the fall uh, and kind of figure out, get the numbers there, and then just figure them out later. Um, but like you mentioned, the connection to Barnes in Texas, his mom was an Olympic sprinter. She coached track at Texas uh, when Barnes was there. Uh, he, he took an official visit to Tulsa in 2016 when Kim English was at Tulsa on that staff, so there's a connection there. And He's a top 100 player with a, a lot of upside that uh, is probably going to sit out a year and, and not really be a factor in 2019-20. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, they'll try for whatever, but I, right. I thought they And then he becomes eligible uh, in the 2020-21 uh, season when you have a, a guy like Corey Walker coming in, a, a really highly rated uh, small forward who Tennessee thinks can be special, can be one of the best players in the country. So uh, you're trying to reload there, and, and you hope Josiah – uh, James is back for a sophomore season. You have some really good talent there uh, to start with. Yeah, and, and I think uh, this is also important. It took me watching. And now, kids can trick you sometimes, but you know, if Tennessee takes a transfer player, I normally go. I, I will Google a couple things, or you know, like, or I'll look for their highlights either in our system or somewhere else. Or I'll read stories about them. Or I'll also sometimes just watch interviews because sometimes you can see a kid's personality. And this was a kid that Oregon really liked throwing in front of the cameras. And, and you could tell why. He's a good-looking kid, nice kid, uh, speaks incredibly well. He just, to me, when I watched a couple interviews with him when he was at Oregon dealing with media, I thought, I can see exactly why Rick Barnes likes this kid. Because he just kind of seems like he's a guy who would have fit, who fits in with the culture they're creating there. He just seems like he's like a hand in glove to that situation to me. And, and doesn't he have some crazy athletic bloodlines too? Yeah, his dad played in the NFL and his mom was an Olympic sprinter. Yeah. Wow. And, and he had, I don't, I don't know what, I don't have the numbers. He was born on third base athletically. Right. I don't have the numbers on it, but his vertical jump is pretty ridiculous. He gets roughly about 74 inches. Yeah, he, he, let's put it this way. Uh, he he uh, will. Can leap tall buildings in a single bound. 
he and uh, Jalen John, you know, he and Jalen Johnson and Bowden and Pons will continue to make the pregame layup line one of the most exciting things in college basketball. Well, they continue. T- con- Tennessee's pregame layup line is a is an aerial display. They'll continue to do the uh, uh, what's what's it called? One fly, we all fly. Is that what it is? Yeah, right. even though I'm still trying to get the we taken out of it because it sounds better if it's just one fly, all fly. But that's they, they, they don't let me market a brand <laughs> over there. He's left-handed. That helps. What is it with Barnes and left-handed kids? Like half that team is left-handed now. Josiah's coming in left-handed. Uh, in Gaines, left-handed too. Uh, don't I'm, remember. Is it Pember? I can't remember. They're Pember, probably Pember's, all, right, Pember's right-handed. They're probably all ambidextrous. Like on the team, Pons, Jalen, John, <laughs> Pons Jalen Johnson, Fulkerson. Like half that team's going to be lefties. I don't know if Fulky's lefty or righty. He's somewhere in between. <laughs> he, he's 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 amphibious. <laughs> Fulky's definitely amphibious. Uh, very last thing, guys. Uh, who should be more excited? Uh, about their more recent addition, should it be the Cubs with Kimbrel or the Braves with Keuchel? I don't trust the Braves. I love them, but I don't trust them. <laughs> I love them, even though they hurt me. I think I'm bound to say the Braves. Are you saying that just from pure heart? Because I, I, I mean, I'll accept that. I'm not going to say anything nice about the Cubs, though. You're asking. I'm not. I'm not asking, asking you to do that. It kind of sounds like that's what you're asking me. I'm just asking you to be objective and try to pretend to be a sports writer. And I don't. I don't want Kimbrel for four years. Uh, I think there's a reason the Red Sox let him walk. Well, um, it's really three years with that little quick option. There's a right? fourth year option. It could be four years. Uh, I would rather take a 13 million dollar, basically 100 game gamble on Dallas Keuchel, hoping that he can just give you. I mean, he doesn't have to be an ace. He just has to be a guy that. Uh, Gives you a chance to win every whatever fifth day he's in there. Yeah, he um, and the Cubs suck. <laughs> well, the uh, the back the, the last couple spots on the end of the Braves rotation hasn't exactly been lighting it up lately. Hot so. garbage. Uh, so they got three decent starters, two really good young starters, um, and uh, you know, in Kimbrel's case, hopefully for you know, hopefully he can actually get the Cubs into the actual playoffs this year. Not just the first four days. <laughs> They were in the playoffs last year. No, they weren't. They were in the pretend playoffs. They were in the sort of playoffs. Participant trophy playoffs. I immediately regret bringing up this decision with a couple <laughs> of jokers who will not have seri- who will not have serious debate on serious issues. You knew what you were walking into. This is your fault. You know, I tried. I thought maybe I could. Maybe we could pretend to be Kronos for just a second. Nope. You thought wrong. Thanks for tuning in. As always, guys, uh, if you want to go see all of this in the written form, you can go to GoVols247.com, the best site on Al Gore's internet. So we've always got all kinds of good deals going on right now, 30% off annual subscription. We'll also have some more uh, good deals coming later this month. Uh, If you're looking for an even better deal, I think later this month we're going to have one of those. Uh, You can also find all of us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at twitter.com slash westrucker247. Patrick Brown's pbrown247 on Twitter. Uh, Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan247 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey uh, is just Grant Ramey. He does not want to be associated with 24-7 on his social media. You can also go to uh, twitter.com slash govals247 if you want to get the entire staff account. If you want just just the facts... Ma'am, just the facts, sir. Just the information. Just Tennessee, all Tennessee, all the time. You can go there. Uh, you can also go to our Facebook page where uh, Ramey and Pat do an awesome job on that page. Uh, the rest of us help, but those guys do most of the heavy lifting. Facebook.com slash GoVols247. Or you can just do what you should do, which is what all the cool people are doing. You ain't cool unless you go to GoVols247.com. Uh, we got stuff for the free people. For the freeloaders, got stuff for the subscribers. There's more stuff if you want to pay us, but if not, if you just want to be a freeloader, sign up. You don't have to pay anything. You still get a ton of news and information that way, so that's the way 24-7 works. A lot of people still don't know that, by the way. A lot of people still think 24-7 just makes you pay for everything, and we have never done that. We are – a lot of our stuff is free. A lot of it is. So go there, check it out, read the free stuff, and then you'll probably see some VIP stuff. You're like, okay – now I really want to see some of this. That's how we get a lot of people there. We think you do that too. If you go to govols247.com. Pat, any final thoughts? No. 